வெல்கம் டு கிரியேட்டிங் வெல் த்ரூ பேசிவ் அப்பார்ட்மெண்ட் இன்வெஸ்டிங் பாட்காஸ்ட் இன் திஸ் ஷோ வி வில் டிஸ்கஸ் அபவுட் பெஸ்ட் அண்ட் வர்ஸ்ட் எக்ஸ்பீரியன்சஸ் அபவுட் பேசிவ் அண்ட் ஆக்டிவ் அப்பார்ட்மெண்ட் இன்வெஸ்டிங் அண்ட் ஐ ஆம் யுவர் ஹோஸ்ட் ராமகிருஷ்ணா லெஸ் பிகின் த ஷோ டுடேஸ் அவர் கெஸ்ட் இஸ் ரேண்டி லேங்கண்டர் ஃபார் ஃப்ரம் இன்வெஸ்ட் ஆர்க் ப்ராப்பர்ட்டிஸ் வெல்கம் ரேண்டி I'm a thank you very much for the opportunity to be on your show. It's a pleasure and I look forward to getting to know you and your audience. Sure, thank you very much. The multi-family AP360 virtual summit is bringing together today's leading multi-family investors, professionals and operators for two days of learning and networking on March 18-19 of 2022. Tickets are available at multifamilyap360.com. I hope to see you there. a little bit about randy randy has been investing in real estate since his first primary residence purchase of a duplex he invested in several assets as a limited partner and progressed into the general partner role today the invest our portfolio has invested in over 4000 units in texas oklahoma ohio and la his investment goals have always been focused on providing above average passive income to investors by improving communities using a safe and time tested approach he is passionate about helping others achieve their goals in real estate and has been a part of several educational programs and is currently a coach in radcliffe organizations randy has 25 years of various corporate leadership experiences in multiple industries primarily in the risk and governance areas so with that randy you want to add anything to your background uh, i guess the the thing i'm the proudest of is i'm a, a husband and a, a father of four children and uh, i'm still actively working to a, a full-time w2 employee so that would be the only thing i'd add to that got it thank you so share me your thought process of getting into real estate and multi family space from corporate job yeah so my my journey started i was uh about uh, uh 2010 or so 10 12 years ago now i was living in the cleveland ohio market at the time and uh, was working for a private equity company and anybody that knows anything about private equity knows it's not for long uh, it's not going to be forever and so i really wanted to develop another stream of income and so i at the time i had got into a uh, single family hard money loans and i as that private equity job was winding down i moved to houston texas area where i currently reside and at that time i got introduced to multifamily by attending one of the educational opportunities here in town from lifestyles international and just really began to see that i think multifamily is it's more work up front but it gets to be on autopilot in uh after a year couple of years and so i have just never turned back after i got introduced to non recourse debt and syndication and realizing i can buy a multimillion dollar asset with other people's money and as well as uh, it's easier to get a multimillion dollar loan on a multifamily property than it is to get a loan on my primary principal residence believe it or not sometimes there's less paperwork cuz because it's non recourse and the loan is guaranteed by the uh, by the asset not my personal balance sheet so really love the multifamily space and hope I'm in it for a long time to come got it so would you share any of your limiting beliefs before getting into real estate and how did you overcome it that's a great question limiting beliefs everybody has them I, you know i could lie and tell you i had few but i had ones that i guess the biggest one rama was that I didn't think I could do it. 
I didn't think that, you know, this was always for somebody else who was a lot smarter and somebody that was gifted than I was. And that was a limiting belief. And I think the way I began to overcome it and the way I'd really encourage your listening audience is really just education. There are, this is a a tried and true method. There's not a 10-step process for, for wealth, but there is a tried and true method and to mimic what others have done before me um, is going to set me up for success a lot more, as well as surrounding myself with those who are like-minded. And so you get the, you get the um, person that, it's the old illustration that your net worth is no greater than the five people you're hanging around with the most. And so those those five or seven people you hang around with the most, you want them to uplift you and build you up. So you, you want to be in an educational group where you're getting fed and encouraged versus your family members sometimes are going to tell you what you can't do or what makes you think you can do that. And when you get your first check, you got to show it to them. <laughs> yep. So what's your investment philosophy, Randy? My investment philosophy, uh, buy low and sell high. <laughs> uh, and I'm trying to be a little humorous there, but the investment philosophy, I think, is is really uh, multifamily. Today, all my energy is fake focused on multifamily, uh, trying to identify, acquire, and operate multifamily properties. So I think the investment philosophy is one is building a network, a team. Multifamily, as you know, is a team sport. So you need a team of professionals around you, whether it's tax people, property managers, whatever market you're in, insurance people, finance brokers to get you the debt, building that type of team. But then really been spent a lot of time recently, Rama, around teams, joint venture partners. So again, I don't have the ability to take down a $20 million property but I do when I join venture with people. And again, back to that, your your net worth is a sum of the people, you, five people you're hanging around with the most. And so if you're hanging out in educational groups and forming yourself, it's you're going to find people that you gravitate to, people that you know, like, and trust and have the same goals and aspirations and partner up with them and go looking for deals. Find somebody, the investment philosophy is to find somebody, that, a partner that has different skill sets than you do. I'm an analytical type. I have a corporate finance background, education, so it's like corporate education and finance, a CPA and MBA. So I, I'm real comfortable in the analytics but I've had partners that are very good at the marketing side of it. So people that accentuate where I think I can do those things, but it's not my thing that I love to do the most. I'd love to bury myself in a good spreadsheet and build the business case around that. So the investment philosophy is, I would say, multifamily, build team, and uh, just continue to stay at it for the long term. Don't give up. Got it. Yeah, cool. So would you share a little bit more about your company's acquisition process, business plan, and exit criteria? Yeah, happy to do so. So Investark today, we're we're partnering with, I've partnered recently with a couple of different joint venture partners. My, my first foray into the gender partnership role was in a 139-unit building in Beaumont, Texas. And for your listening audience, Beaumont, Texas, about 100 miles just due east of Houston Gulf and... Uh, that was a really interesting opportunity, and I can, I can do a whole podcast on the lessons learned from that one. But today, the investment philosophy is looking at newer assets, too. So that first one was a, was a C-class property, a 1965 build. We recently, just with a group of partners, purchased a 396-unit brand-new Class A apartment complex in Weatherford, Texas. And we're currently looking at a 60-unit uh, new build 
2018 build here in Houston in, a, in an upward coming mobile market. So this part of the cycle, like the the newer assets, there if you if you agree with the assumption of some who says that everything in Texas anyhow is a four cap, whether it's a A, B, or C property, why not buy something newer that has less maintenance on it and more uh, runway where you're going to have three to five years during the hold period where you're going to have little maintenance to do and so. Uh, we're going to see appreciation due to inflation and just the markets. But uh, so the acquisition criteria today is focused on newer assets and trying to find some newer assets that still have hard to believe that a class A can have a value add. But the 396 unit in Weatherford was literally brand new. And so the value add is that the, the developer built it and their desire is to lease it up. And so they leased it up, but they really haven't been maximizing revenue or you know rents rents so there is a, a documented and we believe a strong business case to raise rents on the property and increase value with with doing very little capex so we'll do some capex on that property but for the most part it's going to be uh just organic rent growth and push rents because it's a lovely asset so um hope that helps you give a little bit looking at newer assets looking at areas that have high population growth high income growth you stand a better probability of succeeding than necessarily, you know, I'll say something Topeka, Kansas or Toledo, Ohio, something like that, where it's uh, not necessarily, it's a declining market. There's no population growth. There's no income growth, but it's an extremely competitive market, as you know. Got it. So would you share any, of, any one creative idea you have implemented as part of business plan or, you know, to increase NOI? I am not necessarily a creative individual. If I go back to the premise that the tried and true methods, I don't know how many truly creative methods there are right now. Right now, I'm trying to find creative methods to build my investor database. And so I am leveraging my marketing friends who have got proven success in Facebook and LinkedIn to grow their investor database, as well as it's old fashioned blocking and tackling, just reaching out to people trying to meet them where they are and understand their uh, investment desires. But if I have unique or new idea, it's, it's really not new to me, but it's, it's what others have done that's new for me, put it that way, such as the LinkedIn and the Facebook and stuff, because I really haven't done that much. And so other people will grow their database by simply joining one of the major net, the networking groups. And um, I'm part of, I've been part of several of them, but my investor database is really not from them. It's from just organic growth over the years doing this and having a track record that resonates with people. Got it. So would you, would you also share any best practices you have implemented as part of operations? Yeah, I think the, the best practice for operations is just to be active. I think there's some syndicators who once they pull down the deal, they get real busy on the next deal or chasing the next deal versus transitioning and bringing the, the one you just acquired up to getting the business plan implemented. So best practices is, I think, starts with finding a really good property manager that you're comfortable with in whatever sub-market you're looking at. I mentioned that some markets were uh, looking at fe- new ones in Phoenix and Columbus, Ohio. So trying to find a property management company in Columbus, Ohio. If anybody's got one out there, I'd love to hear from you. And we're exploring that opportunity. But how do you really define uh, what a what a good property management company is. And so you look for a track record, you look for where they retain their people from organically, or do they always hire and fire from the outside? You 
You're looking at what kind of benefits they, they provide their people, what's their average length of stay for their people, uh, how they help educate them, and a lot of different KPIs like that. Starts with property manager, but then once you've uh, acquired the asset and you're transitioning, I think the, the secret sauce, as I said, is just to be active. And that is at, at a minimum weekly phone calls, at least for the first year until you get the, the whole business plan well underway, you know, and, and KPIs that key performance indicators that, that I'm going to track really aren't new, but it's just holding the property manager accountable. What are the number of maintenance requests received? What's the average turnaround time for a maintenance request from the marketing side? How many people have been seen the property this week? How many people have visits have converted to a lease or an application? How many applications have converted to a lease? What's the unit turn? So when a property becomes, uh, when apartment becomes vacant, what's that length of time for that unit term to be back online? I'll pause there. That's really key. Making sure that you know, you should have a, a process down that's well-refined so that the property manager's got that maybe back online no more than two weeks. And that's a heavy lift or a small lift, whether it's just painting it, it should be less. But if they're doing carpet, maybe some custom cabinet painting or something, really push for two weeks at a max of anyone. Imagine marketing. It's uh, also, you know, timely reports. When are they, when is the property manager getting out their monthly reports to the, to the asset manager, their ability to explain variances. So we had an automatic rule that, you know, any variance between budget and actual over, I forget if it was, 1% or $1,000, we needed, you know, a detailed written explanation before you ever even sent it to us. Don't just send it to me and make me ask, but we had a, a criteria there for that. How are they, you know, following up on bad debts in, you know, in this COVID world? How are they, how are they requesting public assistance for those that can, are eligible for it? Are they walking the tenants through it and assisting them? And what's the close rate and what's the number open and how is that affecting our bad debts? Because there's been a lot of bad debts out there in COVID times that sooner or later, you know, that's a balance sheet item, but it's going to convert to an income statement item when it's written off the balance sheet and it's going to show up on the as an expense on the income statement going to hit your NOI or at least your cash flow. So be aware of that. But there's a ton of different KPIs you can you can create as imaginative as you want for those that are analytical in nature. I know you said you're a IT professional, so you know all about KPIs, Rama. And so there's just working with the property manager and the old adage, right? If you can't you can't measure it, you can't monitor it. So you need an ability to measure many of those simple processes. Got it. And thank you. Thanks for sharing your experiences and about KPIs and how to manage uh, effectively. And the other one I would say in that one, I'm sorry, in a property manager, is you really have to have two or three online. So you're working with one, but you've really got one or two in the background that you're, I'll say, flirting with in the case you need to make a change. So you need to have at least one that you're actively working with, but have a relationship with a couple of them in whatever sub-market sub you're in. That doesn't mean you're going around somebody's back. It just means you're protecting your investment and you want to have a backup plan because the property managers that are on site, these are multi-million dollar assets, you know, and they're run by a 40, maybe a $50,000 employee on site. And when you think about it in that term, a multi-million dollar asset that's run by a forty dollars or $50,000 employee as an on-site property manager, they're the first thing the potential tenant sees and the first thing that a disgruntled or angry tenant hears from as well. So they're very important. Yes, yes, true. And would you share any of your best multifamily investing experience so far? Well, I got two 
I got two that come to the top of my mind. The first one was for the investors out there to take the uh, to take the long view. So this uh, first property, I was a I was a passive investor in 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 Beaumont, Texas, as well. Uh, I think it was about a ninety five unit, and uh, we bought it during the the flood of Houston Harvey. It also hit Beaumont very hard, and it flooded out all the first floor units. And so we we acquired it. We took it over. We were running it for about I don't know six. 12 months, just cash flow and doing well. Flood hits, takes out the first floor units and um, cash flow ceases for about the next 12, 18 months. And so the investors are angry because they're not getting any distributions and then get it back online and sell it. And no kidding, in like 28 months, I think it was about 28 months of ownership, it was a 4X multiple return. I, I wish I would have bet the farm because... <laughs> A 4X. So if you'd invested a dollar, you got over $4 back. And that's a nice deal. Great. Awesome. And the other one that I talk about is uh, the one that I said we have um, property in Beaumont. The other one that I was a general partner on our first general partnership, we bought it. And um, second month we owned it. We were transitioning. I got the call from the property manager in my office that, hey, Randy, the building's on fire. I said, you got to be kidding. No, dead serious. So there was a fire, took out 28, 30 of the 139 units. Long story, rebuild, you know, working with the fire adjusters, had a property management change in there and an on-site property manager change in there. And investors were unhappy because we didn't distribute cash to pro forma. Obviously, given a a fire, it it really wreaks havoc on your cash flow. But... um, Again, we were very thankful that the market helped us because after we rebuilt the units that were down and got the new rents and started increasing rents, um, we were able to sell that 21 months after buying it at a 1.95 equity multiplier. So if you invested a buck, 21 months later, we gave you $1.95 back for every dollar. I wish I could say they were all like that, Rama. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. And would you share any of your worst or challenging experiences in multifamily space, Randy? Uh, challenging experiences. A couple come to mind. I, I started to mention there that that fire on the Beaumont property when I was a general manager, I was a general partner. I was really, we had had a property, an on-site property. And going back to the value of a property manager, you never know a good one until you have a bad one. So the one we found out two months into it in the fire hit was just, had she had lived on the property 25 years. She had literally lived in the property for 25 years. She raised her family there. She had a real hard time raising rents because she knew all the fellow tenants. They were her friends, colleagues. They weren't just tenants. They were her friends. So we had to make a change. We made a change, fire hit. And, uh, you know, trying to rebuild and working through that and just the experiences of a fire and the experiences of uh, having poor property management and then trying to work with KPIs and redirect the property management function and took six months, nine months, but we were able to do it and return it, as I said, for a profitable gain. But it goes back to active oversight and uh, monitoring them because they're all humans. We're all humans, right? If nobody doesn't watch over you. But there was a very painful experience during the fire and during the property management change. I had real problems sleeping some nights. And the second experience, the negative experience was a passive investor uh, in an opportunity that uh, I've told you about the home runs I've had. The worst opportunity I had was a, a property that we I invested passively in in Port Arthur, Texas. In Port Arthur, Texas, about 120 miles uh, east of Texas as well. It's uh, in in uh, 
very heavy petrochemical related um, companies, a lot of them refineries out there in that area. And uh, we first took the this act, the sponsor I know, liked and trust. He was in the same group I was in at the time. He's a very competent man, smart guy, had resources, pulled down this property and it was uh, 225 units, uh, an old class C that needed some tender love and care, but had good bones and had a lot of upside. And he bought it on a bridge loan. And at the time, I didn't know what a bridge loan was. And I do now. And we were able to refinance it 18 months into it and got 60% of our money back. Uh, so I was thinking I was pretty good. And uh, then shortly after that, the, the, the lead sponsor, general partner, identified that the property manager was committing fraud and was overstating revenue and overstating occupancy. And so Candom and that started to change. And then shortly after that was Hurricane Harvey, where uh, the property had three feet of water and all the first floor units. So it took out half the property right away. Uh, but uh, this, this is a textbook because what can go wrong? Fraud, a flood. And then once we started to rebuild the units from the flood, there was a fire on the property. And regrettably, three young children were killed in that fire. And whenever somebody dies in a fire, uh, they're going to come after you as the property owner. And so fraud, a flood, a fire. And uh, then, then we were in default on that with the bank, but the bank let us continue to run it. We, the, the guys started to turn it around and started to become profitable again and realized there was a lot of now upside. This was probably year five and it, the bank was going to call the note because it was in default and uh, we would have gotten nothing back, but he was able to sell it. And so after six years, after six years, I made a zero return. I got all my money back. I didn't lose anything, but I didn't make a dime. It's a case course and what can go wrong, fraud, flood, fire, pandemic. And uh, I hope nobody else has to live that, Rama. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that experience. And what's your current focus on share something you're excited about now, Randy? Current focus, I, I, I may have mentioned Houston, San Antonio, Phoenix, Columbus, Ohio. Really like uh, where I live in Houston. And so there's just a lot of properties for sale. And um, I said, we took down the one asset in Weatherford, which is up west of um, Dallas, Fort Worth. This one we're taking down right now. We have a signed purchase service agreement and we'll be doing a capital raise on a 60 unit 2017 build here in Houston. It's a smaller property, but we think it has a lot of upside. Um, I want to really, and this is the value I'm not a rich man, but the value of partnerships, again, and the value of being able to divvy up your resources to look at new properties and to raise capital. Uh, one of my partners has existing operations in Phoenix, and I'd really love to I'd really love to get to Phoenix and own something there, or the, or the Arizona market, even if it's Tucson, or I even like Flagstaff, uh, which is north of Phoenix. And then um, currently chasing another property in um, Columbus, Ohio. I'm an Ohio native, and so I really like the Columbus market and this is a potential off-market deal that we're we're trying to chase but uh, that's the current focus uh, in those four markets great great so any one advice that have impact on you Randy you know I think I wouldn't point to any single uh, advice other than the number of people that have built into me, and these networking opportunities that you go to and podcasts you listen to and events, there's just been a tremendous 
my knowledge has not come from anything intellectually extraordinary that I've possessed. It's mimicking those that have IC as successful and they're best of them. You know, whether it's this guy does capital raising really well, this guy does um, asset management well, this guy does marketing well, and trying to really leverage the best of all of them. No one person, they may have, they may have areas that they're better at than others, but nobody possesses it all. So find, find a mentor, somebody that you like in each of those areas, and especially the ones you're not proficient in, whether it be underwriting or marketing or broker relationships or property management or any of the above. And there's many more. Uh, the secret sauce for me would be is partnerships and a team sport. Yep. Got it. And any books that impacted your life and what way? Well, I always say there's, there's many books that have impacted my life. First of all, I don't hope I don't offend anybody, but I'm a person of faith. And so I, the Bible has impacted, impacted me more than anything than in my entire journey. From a business perspective, I, I really like the book I, I actually read mid-year, uh, Mastering the Market Cycle by Howard Marks. And I think you know, we all wonder at this part of the cycle where we are and when is something bad going to happen. And Howard Marks is uh, a former a money manager for a, a big mutual fund and does a really good job. He doesn't tell you when it's going to happen, but he, he shows the cycles and how you begin to recognize them, which I think is insightful. How about giving back to community? Yeah, I, 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 I try to give back uh, a couple different ways. You know, on the, on the personal side, um, we have many charities that we give to, my wife and I. On the, on the real estate side, I, I um, really enjoy being a coach and a mentor. I, I make a few bucks, but it's, trust me, it's nothing that you're going to make any money, real money off of. I really enjoy talking with people that are getting started in the journey or, you know, a couple years into it and are looking to grow their businesses. And so I would generally throw out to your audience, if there's something that resonates with you on this podcast or something that you want to potentially get on my newsletter and hear more, I'd love to chat with you. Um, with no commitment either way to anything other than, than time. So got it. Got it. Thank you. So how can listeners can connect with you? Well, appreciate it. The easiest way for somebody to connect with me is really uh, get on the website, uh, invest uh, hyphen arc, A-R-K, invest hyphen arc, A-R-K.com. And there's a contact us page on there and uh, you can, I'd be happy to, you can send me an email or can schedule a time on my calendar and would love to connect with your audience and uh, hopefully provide a little value to them. Sure, absolutely. And thank you, Randy. Uh, really enjoyed the conversation and thanks, uh, thanks for adding value to the show. Well, it's been my pleasure. The Multifamily AP360 Virtual Summit is bringing together today's leading multifamily investors, professionals, and operators for two days of learning and networking on March 18-19 of 2022. Tickets are available at multifamilyap360.com. I hope to see you there. If you like the show, please subscribe, share, rate, and review. And if you want to connect with me, please send me a message, info at ushacapital.com. Thank you for listening. Creating Wealth Through Passive Apartment Investing Podcast. 
I hope you learned something from the show. See you in the next episode. Thank you. Any information provided from these shows are educational purpose only. As always, please consult with your own CPA, legal and financial advisor before investing. Thank you.